We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lakers Nation, welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the LakersNation.com podcast, and it's game day. We've got Lakers versus Mavs tonight. Strangely early game, though, actually a 5.30 Pacific time tip, despite being in L.A., but Lakers-Mavs going to be nationally televised on ABC. Hopefully you join us live over on Playback, playback.tv slash LakersNation, or on the LakersNation YouTube channel, youtube.com slash LakersNation, to hang out with us during the game while we do our play-by-play talk throughout the game talk some hoops take your questions and comments it's a lot of fun so come hang out with us during the game i'll tell you this you know i've got a lot to get into uh, on today's show i've got a lot of questions and comments to to discuss some mailbag stuff um some things conceptually with the way the roster is put together trade deadline of course plenty of trade deadline stuff to discuss but um this is a game that it feels like the Lakers really owe the Mavericks something. I know the Lakers have not performed well. I always, I feel a little uneasy when we get these nationally televised games, these games that are going to be on ABC that everybody's going to watch, right? Because you know all of the conversation around the sports world, particularly the, the NBA world, it's going to be about the games that everybody can see. And the Lakers always seem to come up short, which makes social media not a fun place when the Lakers drop a game. But, but, the Lakers, they owe the Mavericks something. The last two times the Lakers have played the Mavs this season, the Lakers have lost by a grand total in two games of five points. Total of five points. They lost by three once. They lost by two the last time these two teams played. So the Lakers certainly owe the Mavericks something. They owe a loss onto the Mavericks record and a win here for the Lakers. This would be big. Now, the Mavs, they played their last game. They actually beat the Pelicans last game without Luka. But, of course, he's been upgraded questionable for his game against the Lakers, which we all know what, what that means. He's going to play against the Lakers. That's the way it goes. Guy sees a game against the Lakers, circles it on his calendar. He's going to play. For the Lakers side of things, Cam Reddish will be out. Uh, he's still expected to be out for at least a few games dealing with that knee issue. Gabe Vincent, of course, still out as well. I'm realistically not expecting Gabe Vincent back until probably after the All-Star break. Maybe he can come back a little bit early, like within a week before that, but it'll probably be so close to the All-Star break, even if he is a little bit ahead of schedule, that the Lakers will probably just say, well, why why push it? You know, Let's just give him an extra week to recover and, and let's make it a, a post-All-Star break return for him. That's what I think is going to happen with him. But everybody else should be available to play. 
in this one. LeBron James, uh, Anthony Davis, again, LeBron's going to show up as questionable on the injury report, but I'm fully expecting him to play. The Lakers will run their new old starting lineup, which I talked about on YouTube a little bit uh, yesterday. The new lineup, it is the same lineup that started the season, and that is D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves in the backcourt, then Torian Prince, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. I'm not sold on it. Honestly, I don't think this is a long-term answer for the Lakers. I think it can work. It may be the best option they have currently. But to me, this starting five just underscores how badly they need a trade right now because essentially the options are Jared Vanderbilt, and honestly, I think that option makes more sense, or Torian Prince, or perhaps Rui Hachimura. And I, if it was me, I'm going Jared Vanderbilt. I think Vando with the other four players, Austin D'Lo, LeBron AD, in that context of those four guys, I think Jared Vanderbilt makes the most sense. Now, Darvin Ham is going with Torian Prince to get a little extra offensive firepower out there. Torian is one of the better three-point shooters on the team, shooting 39% from three. But regardless of the choice, the fact that you're giving up so much and it is such a vast difference in each guy is actually a problem, right? Jared Vanderbilt, you're going to get the defense, you're going to get the rebounding that we have to be concerned about with the roster as as presently constructed or, or the starting five as presently constructed. You look at that group, where are they going to be weak? Defense and rebounding. That's where they're going to be really hurting with Torian, D'Lo, uh, Austin Reeves out there with LeBron and AD. Uh, Vando can give you those things, but he doesn't give you much on the offensive end. Now, he did go coast-to-coast coast last game, did a great job disrupting passing lanes. That was fantastic to see against the Thunder. But again, he's typically not going to give you much of anything on the offensive end. Um, Torian Prince, he'll knock in some timely threes. He'll occasionally uh, attack a closeout and can get to the rim. But he's just an okay defensive player. And that it's, and that's may, maybe me being a little bit generous. He does get picked on a bit defensively, and he really doesn't help you out much on the boards at all for a small forward. And then you go Rui. You know, Rui can give you that offensive punch. I think he's actually the better defender than Torian Prince, but he's a bigger dude. He's 6'8", 230 plus. It's a little bit more difficult for him to chase smaller players than it is Torian Prince. So depending on the matchup, Torian may make, may make the most sense. Torian is the better three-point shooter between the two. Um, just in terms of their their careers, he's been the better three-point shooter. And then Rui is probably going to give you a little bit more help on the boards just because of his size. Did have a, a couple of nice blocks against the Thunder. But all of it kind of underscores the big picture issue, right? Like if you start Rui, he's not good enough. To, I think he can be okay defensively. He's not good enough to mitigate the issues that you have with D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt is good enough defensively to mitigate those issues, but he gives you nothing on offense. Torian Prince, not good enough of a defender and a rebounder, but he spaces the floor a bunch, helps guys get into, into open space. That's a benefit. But all of them have issues. What the Lakers need is two-way players. They need guys who can do both things, who can rebound, who can shoot, and who can defend. And now those players are not easy to come by, but this whole starting lineup question, it just highlights how badly the Lakers do need to make a deal so that they're not saying, well, all right, this guy, I guess, is the this guy, I guess we can live with the stuff that he doesn't do more than we can live with the stuff that that guy doesn't do or that guy doesn't do. That's kind of the choice the Lakers are making here with this starting lineup, but that's not ideal. That's not ideal. Now, you, there's also a domino effect, of course, 
with the the bench rotation when you pick one guy for the starting lineup that's going to shift some other guys Jared Vanderbilt Ruby Hachimura into the bench rotation along with Christian Wood and we can certainly weigh the pluses and minuses of that but the bottom line is I think this Lakers starting lineup it does really highlight how badly they still need to make a move and by the way the Thunder game it was great it was fun it was fantastic to see the Lakers get a win the offense was clicking uh, you had guys getting into passing lanes, getting turnovers, things like that were going on. It was an exciting game. It was an exciting game for the Lakers. But as I mentioned on uh, X, you guys can find me at Trevor underscore Lane. Uh, I mentioned this over on X as well as threads uh, at Trevor Lane NBA. It's where I am over there. That the Thunder, like the Lakers are dead last in the NBA. By the way, we're halfway through uh, the season now. So pulled some of these stats. The Lakers are dead last in the NBA in three-point attempts given up that are considered wide open. Wide open three-point attempts. Nobody gives up more wide open threes than the Lakers do. 22.9 wide open threes per game on average. Uh, last year, the worst in the NBA, I believe it was Houston, and they were right around 20 or so wide open threes. So they, they're giving up significantly more threes that are wide open per game than the worst team last year did. That's saying something. That's a lot. The Thunder actually generated 34. Think about that. The Lakers average about 23 wide open threes that they give up per game, which is horrific. The Thunder shot 34 wide open threes against the Lakers. I think LA was a little bit fortunate that the Thunder only hit 29% on wide open looks. So while that Thunder game was fun and exciting, I don't think, I'm not looking at that game and saying that is a sign that everything is fixed in the world of the Lakers. In fact, I think it's more the opposite. It was the, the, I think they were fortunate that the Thunder missed the shots that they did. And all of that leads into tonight's game because guess what the Mavs do? A lot. Shoot threes. They shoot the second most threes per game out of the entire NBA. Only the Boston Celtics shoot more threes per game than the Dallas Mavericks do. This is a high three-point shooting team. So for the Lakers, the name of the game to beat the Dallas Mavericks it's you have to get a low efficiency three-point shooting game out of Dallas. You just do. You can't. If they shoot 40% from three, ball game. They shoot so many threes that if they shoot well from deep, that's that's probably game over. That's going to be really difficult to overcome because their volume is so high. So you know they're going to shoot a lot of threes. You know Tim Hardaway Jr. tends to have blow-up games against the Lakers. I'm hoping he just burned all of his all of his big makes uh, against the Pelicans in their last game. But the Lakers, they've got to find a way to get it done defensively behind the three-point line. And I'll tell you what, this is not all on the players. You know, we want to look at this and we want to say, well, it's Austin Reeves, right? This is what I hear a lot of. It's Austin Reeves. It's Austin. He's, he's too bad defensively. Or it's D'Angelo Russell. He's terrible defensively. These guys are not good defensive players. I thought Austin actually, I was pretty impressed with what Austin did defensively against OKC. I liked what he did. And I think he's done a pretty good job of making sure he's at least contesting. Um, unfortunately, Austin does not have pterodactyl wings for arms like some play players do, like, say, Anthony Davis does. Even D'Angelo Russell. It's a 6'10 wingspan for a dude who's 6'4". That's not Austin. And so even when he contests, guys can still shoot over him. And so that's a little bit of a problem. But no, I, I'll tell you what. The Lakers, their their backcourt defense is not good. When you've got Torian Prince in there too, it, it's it, that can compound. 
a lot of it is scheme though. A lot of it is scheme. Check this out, everybody. So we've talked about this. We see the Lakers consistently overhelping into the paint. Even when it's Anthony, which is bizarre, it's Anthony Davis at the rim, right? And you get a guard that gets dribble penetration. What happens? Guys will help off of, say, a corner shooter and give up that open three to go help Anthony Davis contest a 6-4 player at the rim. Like, first of all, most centers in the NBA should be able to manage that situation. Second of all, out of anybody in the NBA that is going to have the versatility to both contest at the rim and potentially slide with a player that's going to try to put a move on him, it's Anthony Davis. There's, there's no literally no one else. No one else that should be trusted more in that exact situation than Anthony Davis. And yet the Lakers send extra help and leave open shooters. To me, that, that's not playing to the strengths of your players. And we know this isn't, look, do players make mistakes sometimes when they're on the floor? Yes, guys will make the wrong decision. The scheme can be one thing, and the player reads it wrong, and on the floor he does something that he's not supposed to do. But guess what? We've seen this happen so many times at this point. It's not the players. It's not. This is scheme. This is what the plan is. Part of the reason why we know this as well is guess what? When you go back a couple of years, guess what? Before Darvin Ham coached the Lakers, where was he? He was with Milwaukee. Two seasons ago, guess which team gave up more wide-open threes than any team in the NBA? Milwaukee. It's not a coincidence. This is scheme. The problem is, I think this is an antiquated defensive scheme. I think years ago, the, the notion of protect the paint at all costs, make teams beat you from behind the three-point line, that's all well and good. Guys are too talented now. They're hitting too many threes. Now the guys who are bad shooters, your Marcus Smarts of the world, your Dante Axums, now they light you up if you leave them open. If you contest, they're not hitting those. I think an adjustment needs to be made there, and that's something that is concerning me about the game tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. Are the Mavs going to do exactly what other teams have started to do? put together a little half-hearted, semi-serious drive into the paint, wait until the Lakers do what they do, send extra help for no reason, and just kick out to open shooters all game long. Look, teams have started talking about this. Guys on opposing teams are talking about this in their post-game interviews, about how they know the Lakers don't defend the three-point line, so they go looking for it. The Mavericks are going to hunt three. The Mavericks hunt threes no matter who they're playing. They're going to especially hunt threes tonight against the Lakers. And I think we need to see some adjustments made to their defensive scheme. Otherwise, things could get pretty rough in this game against the Mavs. But again, coming off of the uplifting win against the Thunder, do we see the Lakers' energy? Do we see uh, a little bit of um, enthusiasm from this team? Do we see a little bit of confidence from this team? against the Mavs, especially if they can get the Mavs to miss some of those threes early. Those are some of the keys to the game that I'm going to be really watching for this one. Again, Anthony Davis should dominate uh, in the paint. Derek Lively is back. He's great. But again, AD needs to be dominant there. And of course, LeBron. We'll see. Does he get tangled up with Grant Williams again? Are there some issues there? A lot of things to keep an eye on. And then of course, of course, that Kyrie Irving guy, he's pretty good too. So big game tonight. 
Lakers, Mavs. Hopefully you come join us over on playback.tv slash Lakers Nation or the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation. Hang out with us during the game. All right, let's talk a little bit about, um, well, the trade deadline and a lot of other topics. Here's what I've done. So a lot of you know that we have our, our membership program for our YouTube channel. And so I do have some mailbag questions that are left over, but you know, going into tonight's show, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to talk about. By the way, I'm recording this uh, Tuesday evening. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to get into. I knew I wanted to get into some of the halfway stats and everything, but you know what? Like everybody kind of knows at this point. All right. Lakers offense hasn't been very good. Defense hasn't been quite good enough. Not getting to the free throw line enough. Not taking enough threes. Like the, the, we know what the problems are with this team. We know what the problems are. So I decided, you know what? Let me let me throw it out to our channel members. One of the the perks that we give our channel members is they help to um, they help help to establish some of our content. What are some of the things that we're going to discuss? And so that's what I've got to start off here. I've got a few of our channel members that threw in some some comments, some things that they wanted to see discussed on the show. And I thought I'd get into those, and then I'm going to get into uh, our mailbag, our, some of our super chat questions. So that's where we're going to go from here. Uh, Ice Cold AC. <laughs> whenever I see his username, I always think of Alex Caruso, and and maybe I, I haven't asked. Maybe that is where it comes from, but I always think of, of Alex Ice Cold AC, our old friend Alex Caruso. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He said, as of now, oh, first of all, he says, Trev, thanks for keeping us posted and giving us the opportunity to get online with you. So yeah, one of the things we do for our channel members is it's not every week. Sometimes it is, depending on how things get scheduled, but at least a few times a month, we open up the opportunity for channel members to come on stage with us and do a show together. And we all hang out and talk Lakers basketball for an hour, you know, however long. Um, and it's a lot of fun and, and everybody gets to come on stage and, and chat. And if you don't want to, you can just hang out and watch the show. But, uh, but that's for our channel members are kind of an extra bonus perk that we do, um, which is a uh, members only show. So those are, are fun as well. If you guys don't know everything I'm talking about here, if you haven't checked out the channel membership program, uh, if you're over on the YouTube channel, click the join button. Um, there's also a link in the description of our videos and, uh, and you can see all the perks that come along with being a channel member. Anyway, I uh, said, so as of now, trades are the hot, hot topic, and I'm certain Rob can turn things around in addition to the team's play. Uh, a few others and myself would like to know, what's the game plan for LeBron and AD to stay healthy for the playoffs 
Also, what's the identity of this team? So, unfortunately, I don't have a concrete answer for either of those questions. Now, there's reasons for that. First of all, what's the game plan for LeBron and AD to stay healthy? I think the game plan for LeBron and AD to stay healthy was evident in the roster build. You look at what the Lakers did. You look at how many wings they added. Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, right? It, it, of course, uh, at the trade deadline last year, you had Rui Hachimura, you had Jared Vanderbilt. You added all of these players that, in theory, could go fill in for LeBron's role. Now, it hasn't worked out for a few reasons. Part of it is injury. Another part of it is a lot of the guys who we were kind of counting on to take over, some of, take some of that burden off LeBron, have underperformed. So you've got a combination of things. You've had guys missing due to injury. You've also had guys who just haven't quite lived up to what the expectations were coming into the season. Yet, again, we are at the halfway point right now. There's a whole other half of NBA basketball to play. So I think the game plan was, and we saw it game one, to limit LeBron's minutes. That was, that was the plan coming into the season, to limit his minutes. We saw a minutes limit applied game one, and then it got thrown out the window because the Lakers and Darvin Ham probably correctly identified, wow, uh, if we do limit LeBron's minutes, we're, we're, we're not going to win enough games. This, this is bad. This is a problem. So I think the plan was to limit his minutes, and now the Lakers have come to the somber realization that they simply can't do that. Now, uh, hopefully at the trade deadline, they are able to get the firepower that they thought they had, and we all thought they had um, over this past summer, but... As far as Anthony Davis goes, that's another area where I, I do think they could probably use another big, particularly a true big, because right now, I mean, look, Jackson Hayes is not playable. He's not playable at, at this point. I mean, I if you ask me, is, is Jackson could Jackson Hayes play 15 minutes right now? I would say no. I would say no. Why? Because he's going to foul out before 15 minutes are up. So you can't really count on Jackson Hayes to give you anything out there right now. So that means it's really just AD and Christian Wood at the center position. And that's simply not enough. And so, yes, Bismack Biombo is sitting out there as a free agent. If he wanted to come to the Lakers, I would go get him right now. I don't know that he would play every single night, but I would go get him right now just to have another big. Um, in lieu of that, Maybe you need to add a big at the trade deadline because Anthony Davis is logging a lot of minutes and credit to him. He's been, you know, knock on wood, very healthy, but I'm, I'm getting worried. And I think when that the minutes are going to really start to add up and what's going to happen is even if they do make a strong playoff push, we're going to see the same thing as last year where the effort to get to the playoffs is so taxing that they're going to be, you know, running running on empty by the time they get there. Uh, so that's that's where I would either on the trade market or free agency or perhaps the buyout market. I think they need to add another big to try to help take some of the burden off of Anthony Davis. Um, what's the identity of this team? That it's a problem that we don't know. It's a problem. Like we're halfway through the season and we don't know. We're halfway through the season and it's hard to say what the best starting five is. That's not good. Good teams know who, what their starting five is right now. Good teams know what everybody's role is. Now, again, the Lakers have dealt with a lot of injuries, and so that's certainly part of it. But good teams also know what their identity is. They know what they are. The Mavs, for example, we're going to see them tonight. They shoot a ton of threes. If they're hot from deep, they're really tough to beat. 
What are the Lakers? They're, they're more than anything. They're defined by what they can't do rather than what they can. Aren't they? I mean, right now we know the Lakers. What are they defined by? Okay, they can't defend the three or they don't defend the three anyway. Um, And they don't shoot the three. God, that's a bad combo. You're the worst in the NBA at defending the three-point line and you're the worst in the NBA at making your own threes. Not percentage-wise, but but in three-point attempts. You're, you're dead last in the NBA. That's a that's a tough combination in today's NBA to win games. But that's kind of their identity, right? Which is troubling. Which is troubling. Like last season's team, last season's team developed an identity. And I was post-trade deadline by the time they developed that identity. But the identity was essentially, we're going to be an elite, badass defense. That's what we're going to be. And then on the offensive end, we might not be the best three-point shooters, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to get to the bucket. We're going to put pressure on you. We're going to put you in spots using the speed and quickness of guys like Dennis Schroeder. Austin Reeves is going to be crafty as hell. LeBron's a freight train. Anthony Davis is unstoppable. These guys are going to get to the free throw line. That's how we're going to make up for the fact that we don't hit enough threes. We're going to get to the free throw line a bunch. We're going to put our head down. We're going to put you in spots where you have to foul us. So the Lakers are going to do two things. That, this was their identity last season. We're going to be a great defensive team, and we're a great defensive team that is great, elite at defending without fouling. That's what they were on one end of the floor. The other end of the floor, hey, we may not be the prettiest offensive team, but we're going to get it done at the free throw line. We're going to make sure that we put pressure on the rim. You go back to the championships, frankly, the two seasons before that. Uh, it, well, the Marcus Gasol season, the Lakers were actually a really good defense, better than we expected them to be. And their offense was not quite as good as we thought. And then I think injuries just derailed that team. But it was kind of a similar situation where they were a great defensive team. That was their identity. That was what they were going to hang their hat on. And then offensively, you just hope you can get enough contributions from some of the other guys to really get going. Um, the championship season, my goodness. that I mean, just a clear identity from day one. They knew exactly what they were. Exactly. Everybody had a role with the exception of Kyle Kuzma. I've talked about this before. Every player went into training camp, went into media day, knowing exactly what their role was, except for Kyle Kuzma, who was almost too versatile for his own good. But that team, we're going to be bigger. We're going to be faster. We're going to be stronger. We're going to be more athletic than you. Yeah, we may not shoot threes as well as other. Interesting that it seems like every season the Lakers don't shoot threes well. Um, we're not going to shoot the three as well, but we're going to be great defensively. And on the offensive end, we're going to use the fact that we're bigger, we're stronger, and we're going to bully you. These good Lakers teams, they all have this identity. So it's a little concerning that this year's team right now, their identity is mostly the things that they don't do. All right. I talked a lot more about that than I intended to, but good, good. Uh, topic there from high school AC. Gary said, uh, what would your non-blockbuster trades look like? So not DeJounte Murray, not Pascal Siakam, not Kyrie or anybody like that. He said, for me, it would be Dorian Finney-Smith or Lonnie Walker, a big like Nick Richards. I'd love to get Alex Caruso back if the ask isn't ridiculous. What are yours? I agree on all, all of those that you mentioned. Dorian Finney-Smith, I think, would be great. I think that problem that I brought up to start the show where the Lakers really in the small forward slot 
they need somebody who can both defend and shoot threes. And the only thing, their options are essentially guys who could defend or guys who can shoot threes. They need somebody who can do both. I think Dorian Finney-Smith would fill that role very, very nicely uh, in that starting five with with uh, D'Angelo Russell, with Austin Reeves, uh, LeBron, and AD. I do think they could use another big. I like Nick Richards a lot. If you can get him, great. Then you've got a big not just for this season but for the future. Another guy that I really really like is Daniel Gafford from the Washington Wizards. Same concept. You're getting a younger player that could be your, your guy for the future as well and, and take some of that burden off of Anthony Davis. I also don't mind if they want to commit their resources elsewhere to just pick up like a Biombo or somebody of that caliber that can be kind of a stopgap type player. I'm okay with that too if the asking price is too high for Daniel Gafford or Nick Richards or, or someone like that. Uh, Caruso, yes, uh, that would be fantastic if you can get him back. I think his skill set is in need. Again, the Lakers need two-way players. I also think they need some scoring punch. Like, you know who'd be great? And they're not going to get him. But, I mean, like Malik Monk would be fantastic on this team, our old friend. He wanted to stay, uh, but the Lakers couldn't match the offer Sacramento gave him. I, I think they could use some real scoring punch off the bench as well. Perhaps you can make the argument even in the starting lineup that you could use some more scoring punch. Although I do think that's mitigated a bit with Austin and D'Lo playing in the backcourt. But a little bit of scoring punch, I think, could be could be useful for this Lakers team as well. I think right now, though, most likely what they're going to do is they're going to hope Gabe Vincent can be that, that he's a guy that can come in off the bench and give you like 12 points a night or something. Um, and fingers crossed that his knee gets fully healthy. So those are some of the guys I'd be looking at. I agree with your your picks there. Daniel Gafford is another one that I like. Caruso I like. Javon Carter is a guy that I've liked for a long time. Uh, he's with the Bulls. He's not getting a ton of minutes. He's a solid 3 and D guard. Uh, maybe that's somebody that you could look at. Um, the teams that are really looking to make moves, though, it's the Hawks right now. Um, it's the Nets. That's where Dorian Finney-Smith comes into play. Royce O'Neal is another guy that I'd be interested in. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Bogdan and Bojan Bogdanovich. Either one, if you want to go to the Pistons, either one of those guys would, would bring something to this Lakers team. So I think there's some guys out there. Now, there is a rumor that came out earlier this evening as I'm recording this that the Pacers are now act in active discussions with the Raptors to acquire Pascal Siakam and that the deal right now would be Bruce Brown, probably some more salary involved, and three first-round picks to get Pascal Siakam. So first and foremost, I say this a lot on the front office show, not all first-round picks are created equal. So the initial response is, what? Three first-round picks? Oh, my gosh. We don't know what those picks look like. Those all could be three first-round picks that are top 20 protected and if they don't convey in the first year, they become two second rounders in the second year. So that's possible, right? Um, they could be they could be even heavier protections. They could be first round picks that that are certain to be late. You know, we again, I'd have to dig in to see what picks Indiana has available. But the bottom line is that if an unprotected first round pick, especially from a bad team, is way different in value in value than like a top 25 protected first or whatever that becomes second round picks. So, and both of those things will be presented as, Oh, they got a first round pick. The value can fluctuate wildly. So again, 
the the initial reaction though is three first round picks plus Bruce Brown for a guy in, in Pascal Siakam who I like a lot, but he's a free agent this summer. Now maybe he's told Indiana that, that what we heard leaves yesterday was that he was not going to tell any team that he was willing to stay long term that he was he would do a, a new contract with them over the summer he wasn't going to give anybody those assurances because he wanted to test free agency which in theory should torpedo his trade value so maybe he said okay indiana i like you and um i will give you the kind of wink wink i won't go anywhere this summer i'll, I'll sign a new deal with you as long as you give me what i want maybe that's happening but i think for the overall trade market if these are like three legit, like unprotected first round picks, honestly, it's a little concerning from the Lakers perspective as a, as a buyer on the market, because that's a lot. That's a lot that um, Indy would be given up. And if that sets the market, I think that makes it more difficult for the Lakers to get something done. Again, we'll see. Not a lot of details out right now. So we'll see exactly what that would look like. Sky Falcon said, seems like we only really get up for the big games, like OKC and Clippers in the in-season tournament. LeBron gives multiple efforts on defense and other guys follow his lead. How can we be more consistent in our approach to games? Yeah, I think a lot of it is going back to, again, the defensive schemes have got to be better. But I do think the energy has to be more consistent game to game. How you do that, how you get guys to be more bought in, more locked in, it shouldn't fall on a 39-year-old LeBron to set that tone. It shouldn't. And maybe Jared Vanderbilt becoming closer to the guy that he was. It's been clear he's been playing hurt for much of the season. Um, the last game against the Thunder was the first game I I felt like, oh, there he is. That's that's the Jared Vanderbilt we remembered. I also thought it was kind of a throwback for Austin. We saw Austin Reeves do some stuff that we hadn't seen him do in a bit, too. So that was good. But maybe Jared Vanderbilt can help on that end with the energy. Maybe... Uh, maybe it's a D'Angelo Russell, which somebody brought up on our last show, that D'Lo can be an energy setter as well. But ultimately, I do think this team goes the way LeBron goes. And it's not fair to even ask him to bring the energy night in, night out. The Lakers are going to have to figure that out. They're going to have to figure out a way to win games without just looking at LeBron as the guy to set the tone and to spark them to have a very high-energy, high-focus game. Uh, this one said, if the Lakers don't pull off a trade, could they still turn around the season at full health? If they make another deep run to the playoffs, does Ham keep his job? Uh, last, when is it time to start to think about a rebuild or build better around AD and what that could look like? Okay, so first question, could they still turn it around at full health this season? Yes, and Jared Vanderbilt talked about this recently. He believes that they've got what it takes on this roster right now to turn this around. Now, that's being spoken by a guy. By the way, Jared Vanderbilt is not trade eligible this season. Anthony Davis, I thought his trade eligibility would not kick in until after the trade deadline, but it actually does kick in two days before the deadline. They're not trading him anyway. But Jared Vanderbilt is the only Laker who's completely untradeable this season. Anthony Davis is not trade eligible until two days before the trade deadline. Everybody else is eligible to be traded. Um, so... I think in that context, maybe Jared Vanderbilt is saying those things while understanding that we're weeks away from the deadline. Rumors are flying. The Lakers are in the thick of things. 
it's going to be on players' minds, right? That, that's going to be a thing. And so I, I, I do think that Vando, who's saying, yes, we have what it takes to, to turn things around, he's doing that in the context that he's got teammates that are worried about getting traded and probably don't want to get traded. Uh, if they make another deep run, but I, I do think they can turn things around. Can they make a title run? Probably not. I, I think I think the lack of two-way players becomes too big of a shortcoming unless they make some moves at the trade deadline. Uh, if they make another deep run in the playoffs, does Ham keep his job? Yes. Plain and simple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to... There's plenty of reasons to be upset with Darvin Ham. There's plenty of reasons to question what he's doing. I, I spent a good chunk of the show talking about the defensive schemes and how poor they are and how how they're, they're simply not working. Um, but you don't you tend to not fire a coach that just takes you on a deep playoff run. So especially given, especially if this team is they're right now the ten seed as we're as we speak here. If they go from the 10 seed to maybe they rise up by play, they spend the next 41 games and they finish, let's say they finish as a six seed, and then they go from the six seed to the Western Conference Finals, there's going to be some positive momentum that will have built up there. So I think he does keep his job in that scenario. Uh, last, when is the time to start thinking about uh, the rebuild? If you're the front office, you're already thinking about it because you have to. You have to start looking ahead to what that's going to look like. And we don't know. Look, this this could be it for LeBron, by the way. Maybe we don't talk about that, that enough. This could be it for LeBron with the Lakers. This could be his final season. He could very well be, um, be somewhere else, depending on where Bronny signs, uh, where he gets drafted uh, in the summer. So you have to already be looking ahead and start thinking, okay, at some point, it may not be now. Maybe it's a year from now. Maybe it's three years from now. I don't know. But at some point, LeBron is going to leave. He's either going to retire or he's going to go to another team to go play with Bronny. One of those two things is going to happen and it's going to happen sooner rather than later. At that point, the Lakers have some decisions to make. Are you able to build a team around Anthony Davis? And that's something you have to be thinking about at the trade deadline this year. If you go out and you acquire Zach Levine, is Zach, and we've heard the Lakers not going to do this, but is Zach Levine your 1A, 1B with Anthony Davis moving forward because he's getting paid like it. So if the answer is no, is that a move that you really want to make? That's kind of something you got to start thinking about with these moves that you make. It's not just let's get some guys that give us some, some firepower right now. That's certainly a big part of the equation, but it's also who can be part of our team after this. And it may be that at some point LeBron sails off into the sunset. Anthony Davis says, Hey, um, I'm ready to move on. And then you really start to rebuild. And then you really get things going there and you trade Anthony Davis and you recoup assets. And, and then we're praying a young player pops again, like we were with Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and, and D'Lo the first time around and, and all of that. Um, that could be in the Lakers future as well. But, but the time to really start thinking about that and looking at that, it's now. You have to have an eye on the future in the NBA. You just do. Okay. Going to pause for just one moment here, and then I'm going to get into the mailbag. I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, and that is Doer Jeans. I'm the kind of guy that prioritizes comfort above all else, but with Doer, I don't get just comfort. I also get a great 
look. Doer are the kind of jeans that you can wear just lounging around the house and be perfectly comfortable in them. But you could also wear them out to dinner, which is pretty much how I use them. I lounge around the house. I will also wear them out to dinner. I will wear my Doer jeans anywhere. They are a stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel that's designed for all day comfort and durability. They have styles for men and women that can be worn year round. They're antibacterial as well, which means less washing, which is something that I really like. And they're sustainably crafted to last, so they'll be in my closet for years to come. Now, if you're a local fan in LA, Doer's flagship store is located on Larchmont Boulevard in central LA. Highly encourage you to go try them for yourself and see just how comfortable they are. If you're not in LA, you can still shop online at shopdoer.com slash Lakers Nation. I love my Doer jeans. I know you will too. Check out Doer's flagship store in LA or Denver or go to shopdoer.com slash Lakers Nation. You get 15% off site wide right now when you use that URL, shopduer.com slash Lakers Nation. Take advantage because Doer never goes on sale. Don't wait. 15% off. Go to shopdoer.com slash Lakers Nation. All right. We're back and let's get into the mailbag. Uh, Wicked Broncos said the Vandalorian returns and strikes back God of Lightning. He's got, I'm assuming, Thunder. That's a good title. I've got, we were doing uh, Jared Vanderbilt puns, trying to come up with his nickname when he gets an and one, which is another thing that we do over on the YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation and playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. During the games, I, I'm, I'm a dad, so I do silly dad jokes and stuff like that and come up with puns for for players we were debating whether if jared vanderbilt gets an and one which is a very rare occurrence but it did happen last game whether it should be van one or the one i liked other people not so much <laughs> it was uh and one doe was the one that i liked I don't know if I like it quite so much today, but but at the time I liked it. Um, anyway, one of the things that we do that's uh, that's fun over on our uh, over on our, our live play by play. Uh, Luca Toll said we need to trade Cam and Torian Prince and Gabe and a pick for someone. Okay, so total salary you're looking at what is that like sixteen million? I mean Gabe's at ten and a half, Torian's at four, so uh, and a half. So all right, so you're at you know 15 there and then cams at two and change so, all right so that's like 17 million in salary it's going out i like cam and tory and prince but darvin abuses their minutes oh i see they should play 15 minutes off the bench you know i'm in agreement i do think tory and prince gets a few too many minutes i think some of those minutes should be fed to Rui. uh particularly uh, Rui's coming off a calf strain so that may explain why uh, his minutes have been a little bit less, but we've seen it all season that that's been happening. I do think Torian gets leaned upon a little too much. I don't think he should be a 30-plus minute a night guy. I think he's probably at his best. He's more like a 20-minute a, a night guy. I think he's a rotation guy. There's no question there. But I don't think he's a let's lean on this guy for 30 minutes a night guy. Uh, but I, I get what he's getting at here, essentially, in this in this question or comment. It's... Stop Darvin from being able to play these guys by trading these guys. Take them away from Darvin Ham. Is what he's saying. Um, it reminds me of the movie Moneyball, 
when uh, Billy Bean, Brad Pitt, doesn't want the manager to play the first baseman, who's an all-star caliber first baseman. It was uh, Pena. Didn't want him to play him. And the manager kept saying, well, no, I get to decide who plays. I'm playing this guy. I'm not playing Hatterberg. I'm playing Pena because he's better. And But that wasn't how they had built the team. So in order to stop the, the manager from playing Pena, they just traded Pena. Similar idea here. Feeling like Darwin uses these guys too much. How do you stop him from doing that? If you're Rob Palenka, you trade these guys away. Interesting idea. I don't think they have to trade those guys, but I do think Cam, Torian Prince, if you need to put those guys into a trade, you can. Gabe, it would be, I would get it, why the Lakers would trade him if they, they had the ability to. I, I think the downside is, of course, you're trading him low in terms of his value because he's barely played this season. And you signed him for a reason. And we have really not gotten to see what that reason is. We haven't gotten to see in any way what the vision was for Gabe Vincent this season because he simply hasn't been available. So that would also be uh, uh, disappointing. But if you believe, hey, these injury issues are going to be a thing from here on out, and he's got two more years under contract after this, if you can find a move, you, you do it. By the way, Mama Mentality gifted a Lakers Nation membership, which I think is really cool that um, people in the community can gift memberships to each other. Steven Peterson, D'Lo, Murray, Braun, Vando, AD. That would be scary. Uh, I'd be a little concerned about the three-point shooting with Vando and Murray. Murray shot the ball well from three. I hope if he became a Laker, that would continue. But I'm going to be concerned about it uh, in, in DeJounte Murray. He's shooting 39% from deep on the season. He was like a 33-ish percent three-point shooter for his career. So that big of an uptick, I just I worry that that number is going to plummet the second he puts on a Lakers jersey because that seems to happen. Um, but they, I agree. I think that is a good group. But that also is implying that you are trading Austin in order to make that happen, which, I mean, I've heard, a lot of us have heard, the Lakers not interested in trading Austin Reeves. So we'll see what happens there. Romeo said this team is so random. LMAO. I mean, the Thunder, second best team in the Western Conference by record, and then the Lakers get a win over them, and then they can't beat some other teams. But again, the Thunder had a poor shooting night from three. I think that was a big part of it. Uh, second chance points, best rebounder available for trade. Yeah, look, that's that's part of the downside of the starting five the Lakers put out there with Torian Prince at the three. Torian's not a good rebounder. Delo's not a good rebounder. Austin's not a good rebounder. You're going to give up offensive boards. That's It's one of the weaknesses. This group has actually played together a lot over the course of the season. It's over 300 possessions that Delo, Austin, Torian, LeBron, AD have been on the floor together. And... It's plain as day. One of their big weaknesses is they give up a lot of offensive rebounds, and we saw that play out against the Thunder. Uh, best rebounder available for a trade? I mean, the default has got to be Andre Drummond, right? I wouldn't hate bringing him back, honestly, just given what the Lakers need. I wouldn't hate that, depending on what you have to give up. Ricky said, when you move without the ball, good stuff happens. Who knew? Yeah, I thought the Lakers did a much better job cutting against the Thunder than they did in previous games. Hopefully that's something that, that continues against the Mavs tonight. Jay Soft, there wasn't as much uh, any open ones versus the Grizzlies. Defense was moved up to the line, and the as usual, LeBron is managing the ankle. Uh, he's saying there weren't as many open looks from deep. I mean, the stats tell a different story. They say that the Lakers gave up, like what was it, 34 wide-open threes. Uh, now, 
Here's what's the numbers are getting inflated though, because now the word is out. Teams know the Lakers are bad defending the three point line. And so now they hunt threes. Everybody does it now to the Lakers. Like that's, that's the way you beat the Lakers now, right? Just like the way you beat the Mavs, it's you do a great job defending the three point line and you're, you're going to be in solid shape to beat the Mavs because they're so reliant on the three with the Lakers. It's shoot lots of threes. They're going to give you lots of looks, shoot lots of threes. And you can see teams scheming for open threes because that's the game plan going in. They're game planning to do that to the Lakers. No one ever really dies is the username here said, I think Prince has been slipping some type of love potion in Ham's drink because he's playing 32 to 35 minutes every night. Yeah, I just talked about that. I, I don't think that Prince should get that many minutes. I think it's too many. I like it. I think he catches a little too much flack from Lakers fans who I think some of the frustration with Darwin gets transferred onto Prince because he's kind of seen as like Darwin's guy, which isn't really fair. I do think he's a rotation player, Prince is, um, and worth his contract for sure. But he just, he's playing a few too many minutes for my liking. Super dope hip hop. LeBron. Um, LeBron more minutes per game than anyone on OKC, Denver, Minnesota, or the Clippers. <laughs> Thumbs up. Coaches for coaches versus ham. I mean, they're logging a lot of minutes. LeBron and AD are logging a lot of minutes. It's concerning. Um, this comment said, chance we get De DeJounte and DeRozan. Um, can they? In theory, I suppose, the way it would look would be, let's say, Rui, your first round pick, the one that they can trade at the deadline, like JHS, I don't know, something like that for Murray. Is that enough to really get DeJounte Murray? Probably not, but just to make the math work on this. And then you would do D'Lo and... I mean, I guess Gabe and something for DeRozan. So that's how you'd make the math work. I, I think that's extremely unlikely that both those things happen, but that's how you would, that's how you'd make it happen. Chris trade Gabe Vincent and Rui for Chris Dunn and Kelly Olenek from the jazz. I, I wouldn't give up Rui for that. I wouldn't give up Rui for that. Chris Dunn is a good defensive player. Kelly Olenek is a good offensive player, at least from the, the center position, but I wouldn't. I would rather have Gabe Vincent and Rui than those two guys. And Gabe Vincent, we haven't even seen yet. Even if you took just eliminate Gabe Vincent from this deal, if it's just Rui, I wouldn't give up Rui, Rui for that. That I think he's too valuable. Mamba mentality: winning six out of eight games is possible. Uh, looking ahead to the Lakers' schedule, winning six out of eight, um, that would help. That would help a lot. Help a lot. Just get some momentum, some positive momentum going. They need it. Uh, Caleb is a new channel member, so welcome in, Caleb. And then the names, ditto, said, I didn't watch this one. We won how? I know I was not expecting the Lakers to beat the Thunder. I was not expecting it at all. But again, I think it came down to the Lakers played with energy. They played with effort. They played with force. And uh, and the Thunder had a bad three-point shooting night. And I think it was those two things combined. Again, it's not all like the Lakers locked into a win because the Thunder had a bad shooting night. I thought the Lakers did a lot of things, especially on the offensive end, to win that game. 
but it's also a factor that the Thunder had a bad shooting night. Uh, ben said, "Saint calling Darvin Darvin Hands instead of Darvin Ham." As a, as a pun. I like that one. And then Anthony Nelson said, it's time for us to go back to our starting lineup from last year. Austin Vando D'Lo and LeBron AD said, it's time. I think a lot of people are in agreement with that. A lot of people want to see that lineup, but Darvin Ham has made it clear that the starting lineup for the foreseeable future, which yes, he has said in the past, and it didn't stick, but there were injuries. He said for the foreseeable future, the starting lineup, it's D'Lo, Austin, Torian, LeBron, AD. Now, maybe that changes at the trade deadline. Maybe the Lakers make a move. Maybe they make two, and something changes. And that's coming up February 8th, so not all that far away. But for now, that's going to be the Lakers' starting lineup. Doesn't mean they can't play Vando plenty of minutes. They certainly can. But to start out, it's going to be Torian in there in place of him. All right, everybody. Again, big game tonight. Lakers, Mavs. Can the Lakers finally get some revenge on Dallas? Pick up a win? That would certainly be nice to see. But come join us. Uh, 5.30 Pacific time tip for this one. Come join us on playback.tv slash Lakers Nation or the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation. Make sure you guys subscri uh, subscribe to the channel as well. I'm going to keep you up to date with everything going on with the Lakers ahead of the trade deadline. So that's where we're going to put all my breaking news as well. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.